Looky here, it's time for another episode of Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts. I remain your humble host, Tyler Green, and I'm also the head of community here at Pod People. Podcasting is collaborative, right? Almost inherently. Even if you're bootstrapping your production right now and it's just you and your audience. Because we don't create in a vacuum. It is all a team effort. Until... You introduce marketing. Then suddenly everyone feels like a competitor, especially if you're an indie production and you don't have the big bucks to spend to get your show in front of the same audience. But marketing doesn't have to feel like you're entering Hell's Kitchen if today's guest has anything to do with it. Jeremy Helton's marketing strategy will turn your Gordon Ramsay nightmare into a great British Bake Off dream. Jeremy is a marketing leader known in the podcast industry for his strategy and expertise with media distribution. He is a pro digital and social media marketer who can deliver well-crafted stories and content that draw in just the right audience. Jeremy, our fearless CEO, Rachel King, and Pod People's head of marketing and business development, Ann Fuse, discuss all things marketing on a small to even non-existent budget, how to get promoted on the Podcatcher apps, and when to start promoting your show. In fact, we're going to start there with Rachel asking, So what are your recommendations in terms of best practices for like how soon before a show launch should you be thinking about and planning and then even doing the outreach and execution for a marketing campaign? Sure. I like to have two months to build the house before they move into it. And I think that oftentimes in working with clients, I'm sort of competing with internal deadlines that indie podcasters don't have. That's the great thing. Indie podcasters, you're free. You're doing it for yourself. You're not answering to anybody else. And so you can really decide. I tell my clients, the one thing that you have 100% control over is when you decide to launch your show. That's the only thing. So if as an indie podcaster, if you can choose a launch date that accommodates at least a two-month lead time to build your marketing plan, then I think you're going to be in really good shape as far as promoting the show and developing audience. Yeah, that's a really good point. On that topic, do you have a particular advice when it comes to choosing that launch date aside from the marketing plan build out? Like, is there a particular time of year that you think is best? Or do you think a particular day of the week? Or is it super show dependent? I think it's super show dependent. I will say just to kind of like unpack what I said a moment ago a little bit more. The reason why two months is important is because if you're doing paid advertising, a lot of times ad avails are booked up fairly quickly. And so if you're launching next week, this week is not the time to start looking for ad avails. Likewise, with promo swaps or with even paid advertising on other podcasts, paid ads on other podcasts tend to get booked up as far in advance as the paid ads on podcast players do. But also, if you're doing promo swaps, sometimes people don't get back to you immediately. So having a little bit of buffer time built in between when you initially do your research and contact another podcaster for a promo swap and then giving them that time to get back to you. And in some cases, setting aside some time to even explain to them exactly what you want, that's really, really important. Promo swaps can be incredibly time-consuming. Give yourself the time to do them. When you're making a list of like targets for potential promo spots, how do you think about other kinds of relevant audiences or subject matter that might be sort of auxiliary isn't the right word. I'm like adjacent. 
Adjacent is a great term. I always start with what's the content vertical that my client's show is in? And then what are the content verticals that may have shows that have overlapping audience? So, you know, maybe you're hitting up kids and parenting podcasts because that's what your show is about. But are there other podcasts where with a little research, you know, you can ascertain whether or not the people that listen to that show about that subject matter might also be interested in your show as well. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you're doing a kid's show that's about cooking with your kids. You could definitely approach podcasts that are geared towards kids and family, moms and dads, that sort of thing. But you could also approach cooking shows that are also engaging parents who want to cook with their kids. So that's like one small example of something that would be sort of adjacent to your content vertical, but still relevant. Does that make sense? Or like a show for food lovers that's, you know, not rated R, (laughs) for example. Like listeners of Good Food with KCRW, for example, might be a good one, even though that's not about parenting or even technically for children. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I mean, what are these R-rated cooking shows that you're listening to? I I want to subscribe. I kind of want to make one. I know. We'll think on that. Um, Is that a (laughs) subgenre? I would listen. Coming to you soon from Pod People, R-rated cooking shows. (laughs) I'm writing it down. (laughs) Really quickly, too, something that Anne asked a moment ago about like, well, are there any factors in deciding when to launch a show? I would say, as I a moment ago, like it's really show dependent. But if you're hoping to get some earned media opportunities with podcast platforms like Apple or Spotify or Stitcher, then you should definitely be thinking within the context of editorial calendars. Mm-hmm. And maybe that doesn't decide when you launch your show, but it could be a factor. You know, if you have a show that you think is relevant to women's health or women in the workplace, then you might have a better shot if you pitch that show, either a new season or a new series during Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. And I want to be very clear. I find that in real life incredibly reductive. <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. you know, women in the workplace and women's health is something we should be paying attention to all year, every month. But you know, the marketing side can be reductive. And so I think that's that's another consideration in terms of launching the show is like, is there a perennial date peg? Is there an anniversary? Is there a trending topic that if you were to pitch your show as part of that trend, you might get better success in having it featured? That's super, super helpful to know. And this also brings up the topic of what else is good to know when it comes to getting promoted on the apps, because obviously that earned media is super helpful when it comes to show promotion and getting eyeballs on your show. So what else is important when it comes to getting promoted on those apps? Sure. Well, I mean, first off, I say download the apps and do your research, do your homework, look at the ways that they are curating content, look at the ways that they are featuring content. Stitcher is an example where, you know, they have one page that's sort of a feature page on the app, but then they also just have sort of a genre or category page on the app. And so, you know, they're curating content based on category, but then they're also creating these really fun playlists that they are using to curate and feature content as well. So get familiar with the way each app is sort of putting content out there and exposing their users to different podcasts. Mm -hmm. And when you make your pitch, try and pitch it so that it it sort of um, folds into one of those categorizations or features, if that makes sense. Do you suggest 
tying in a launch to a holiday or a specific like event? Has that worked for you in the past? Or do you actually find that it gets too crowded and it's not a great idea? I say give it a try. Um, (laughs) When I was an audio producer, like one of the things that I remember hearing from more uh, veteran producers was like, always have a Rosh Hashanah story always have like a Ramadan story and always have a Christmas or a Halloween story. Because, you know, even though those are very well-known holidays, if you can create sort of an innovative or fresh take on that anniversary or perennial event, then the likelihood of you getting featured is greater, you know, or the likelihood of that story being picked up is greater. So I definitely think holidays are a way to go. Again, just an example, because they're helpful. When I was working at Audio Boom, we launched It's Happening with Snooki and Joey. And yes, Snooki of the Jersey Shore. I love uh, that. That's Snooki. <laughs> I think we had some luck initially when the show launched, getting it featured on Apple. But then we had a little bit of, you know, I think maybe like a dry spell in terms of getting features, which is natural for every show, quite frankly. They're not going to feature you all the time. And so the next feature that we ended up getting was months later when we were like, you know what? Snooki and Joey have a Christmas special. <laughs> And that got at the top of the page. There you, you know go. what I mean? Oh, yeah. So there you go. From Snooky's lips to, you know, God's ear or <laughs> Apple's ear. Yeah. That is super useful to know. I'm putting myself in the mind of an indie podcaster. And let's say I have $500 only to spend on launching a new show. How would you spend that money? Or would you even spend it? Would you say put it towards production? It's not useful if you, have, if you don't have X amount of money. Okay, I'm going to give you a good answer to this, and then I'm going to give you a better answer to this. And I'm <laughs> Great. To, and I'm going to thank you for indulging me in advance. Okay. okay. So the good answer, okay, if you have a podcast already, you probably have a hosting platform. And that hosting platform, if it's worth being on, is providing an analytics dashboard for you. So before you do any advertising or any kind of marketing, you need to go to your analytics dashboard and you need to really get intimately aware of like where your downloads are coming from already. That includes geography, that includes, you know, some very superficial demographic information in terms of your listenership. It also includes things like devices, like what devices people are using to listen to your podcast, and also browsers, like what platforms and apps people are using to listen to your podcast. So get really familiar with that information, because when you do end up running your ads, you're going to want to be able to compare that to what your download numbers were or where your sources of listeners were before you ran the campaign. If you Mm -hmm. can't assess the impact, then there is no impact, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, look at the browsers that people are using to listen to your show. Take note of the number of downloads that are coming from each browser. Some platforms, you know, you can see your top 10, your top 20, your top 50 browsers. And then when you decide that it's time to start spending some money, here's what I would say for $500. Download Castro, download Overcast, download Podcast Addict, and download Podcast Republic. All of those podcast players have, in my mind, fairly affordable ad rates that are within reach of most indie podcasters. Mm -hmm. And then get familiar with the types of contents they're featuring and how they're curating stuff. Get familiar with their ad rates and their avails. You can sign up usually with a credit card to create an account with them so that you can buy advertising on their platform. And you can also sometimes, I mean, in the case of Overcast, you can sign up for notifications when ad avails become available. Mm -hmm. Both very important things. And then when you have seen their ad rates, and again, this differs from app to app, the sort of metrics that they're providing, like are they giving you an advance estimate on clicks or subscribers that that ad will get you based on a specific 
specific amount of money you're spending. Then you make your decision of which of those that you want to go with. And then you spend the money. Yeah. And then you assess the impact of that in your analytics dashboard after the campaign is over. Very important because if you can't assess it, it didn't happen. So that's the good answer. (laughs) The better answer is wait until you have $1,500 and then do everything that I just told you to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That was the number I was looking for too. Like what is the number that's the most useful? The smallest number that's the most useful. Sounds like that 1500 mark. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I think there's no one size fits all answer out there. But I do think that in general, the more money you can spend, the better your chances are of seeing substantive results. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, to wrap it up, I feel like podcast marketing is such a very specific thing that a lot of people don't understand. Like even if you do different kinds of marketing, it doesn't necessarily translate to the same kind of like user acquisition that you would do on social media, for example. Like it's totally different. So what is like the one thing that you wish the whole world knew? Like you could wave a magic wand and the whole world would know about podcast marketing. Okay, well, first on a really philosophical tip, Mm -hmm. it's a process and not a moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to keep doing this, even if you get a great feature on Apple, which if that happens, you will likely see an increase in downloads, but eventually that will subside. And so just doing one thing once is not really going to get you where you want to go. You've got to be consistent and you've got to think about how you're going to continue to promote the show throughout its lifespan. So that's really, really important. If you want the audience to keep growing, you've got to keep going. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So the other thing that I think too, is that things that work in more traditional marketing, as you sort of alluded to, Rachel, they don't necessarily work in the podcast ecosystem. I would say that if you have traditionally had success with PR and social media, absolutely keep doing those things. But I would view those promotional tactics as supplementary and not core to audience development for a podcast. With social media, if someone's following the social media account of your podcast, it's because they already listened to your show, so you already got them. And if you have a very limited budget, spending it on paid social media to get new people, you're just, in my experience, not going to see the conversion, even if you get a lot of engagement on that campaign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really, really useful to know, especially when it comes to social media, because I feel like a lot of our clients will come to us and say, well, we spent so much money on social promoting it, but like you said, it doesn't really translate to that direct engagement on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great for awareness raising and it's great for engaging your existing audience. Very powerful tool for both of those things. I haven't seen any evidence to support that it actually drives downloads. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, perfect. So we'll put links to your socials so that folks can find you and benefit from your wisdom if they want to dive in deeper to all things podcast marketing. Awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I really love interacting with people on social media. And one of the things that I love about podcasting is how democratized it still is and how it's really available for so many different kinds of people at so many different levels of resource. And so I love the idea of people, more and more people participating. And I want to sort of support that. Love that. That's wonderful. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciated your invaluable insights on this. And I know a lot of people listening will appreciate it too. Well, thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of pod people. You know, I don't feel like I'm sort of Janet 
or Chrissy or Jack, but I do feel like Mr. <laughs> Furley downstairs. So <laughs> always nearby and sort of in the pod people orbit. I love what you guys are doing as a business and also as a community. So thank you so much for having me. Key takeaway. If you want the audience to keep growing, you have got to keep going. If you recognize the questions Jeremy answered in this episode, it's because they are the questions we receive the most often from our community members, just like you, who are looking to promote their show. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Jeremy for leaving us with that amazing, incredibly useful and actionable wisdom. And this amazing resource we can now turn people towards the next time they ask us one of these questions. On next week's episode of Pod People's Podcast for People Who Make Podcasts, we spotlight the multi-hyphenate Marvin Yue, who is a podcast host, executive producer, producer, editor, mixer, founder of the Potluck Podcast Collective, and an advocate for diversity and inclusion in media. I think the reason why my shows tend to focus on this theme is because it's what I know, it's where my network is, but also it's where, I guess, my passion is. The Pod People team is Rachel King, Ann Fuse, Matt Sav, me, Tyler Green, Andrea Perez, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Isabel Genius, Ashton Carter, Alexa Brooks Major, Stephanie Bashara, Devin Wilson, Priscilla Verlin, Madison Lesby, Brian Rivers, and Erica Wong. This podcast is edited by Katie Clarkson and mixed and engineered by Erica Wong. All links mentioned in this episode, and there are a lot in this one, are listed in the show notes. We are, of course, on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of them. Find us, follow us, like our posts, tag us, tweet at us. We're not shy, and you shouldn't be either. Speaking of not being shy, while you're already on your phone following us on all the socials, can you go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? Someone did already, and I wanted to share what they said with you. They said, this podcast is so helpful and joyful. I like the heart of the people making it, and Tyler's humor and final tags give me life. Aw, shucks. Thanks. You heard it here first, folks. This is the show to follow. Well, thanks so much, Jeremy. And everyone join us next week for Pod People's X-Rated Cooking Show. Uh, we'll be doing some crowdsourcing. <laughs> Audience Subscribe. <testing. laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah.